0: You're listening to an episode of the Break the Cycle podcast on the SVTV network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Break the Cycle podcast. I never got around to telling you guys what I had been up to uh, when I kind of took the downtime from the podcast. Uh, I've been pursuing a health and wellness code certification. It's something that I have been interested in for a while, given my interest in all things related to physical and mental wellness and fitness. And one of the things that came up in one of my, I would say, research in my quest to learn more was the subject of sleep. Now, Modern-day living has led us to believe that you sleep when you're dead because you've got all these goals to achieve and uh, you gotta hustle and grind and nothing wrong with that. That's you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, but if you're gonna compromise on your sleep to do all of that, or you know, with with your night outs and everything as well, you're in for a whole bunch of trouble. And I found that out with my discussions with uh, Aparamaya Rajput, he, who is my guest for today's show. Aparamaya is a sleep coach. He's based out of New Delhi. We spoke about uh, sleep disorders. We spoke about how to counter them. We spoke about how to optimize your environment for sleep, which is so, so, so important. Uh, and how the hell he decided to become a sleep coach because I've never heard of such a thing. Anyway, uh, this one is short, sweet, really actionable uh, advice from Apramay. I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, hit me up if you have any questions. I've left his uh, contact details in the show notes in case you want to reach out to him for all things related to sleep. Alright. I hope you guys enjoy the show. See ya. And we're on. How are you doing, Apurva? Hey, how are you, Adam? Very well. I think we've had one conversation before this, where I was basically uh, looking at your profile and going, I am very interested because I've never seen, I've never heard of a sleep coach in India. Yeah, I
1: know. I get that quite a bit. So <laughs> it's good to be in a space where. Uh, you know, a lot of people aren't there, so uh-huh. uh, it's an interesting space to be in. So I'm sure through this conversation, you'd get to know know a lot about what sleep mm-hmm. is, and you know the whole areas how it's impacting people. But I'm
0: also excited
1: on your podcast as well. So it's <laughs> uh, it's a good opportunity to be interacting with you. And uh, it should be a fun conversation.
0: Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> I am very, very, very excited about this. So, Aparamaya, just for uh, everyone here, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into, how you became a sleep coach for starters? Like, what what brought that on?
1: Yeah, it's a funny story, actually, you know, like, uh, a decade ago, like, I would have never thought I'd be in this position, honestly. Uh So, uh, but long story short, like, I come from a family of doctors, and my father's actually been practicing sleep medicine for nearly three decades now. So I've always heard about his stories, about him treating some of his patients and, you know, how they sort of uh, came up to him and they're like, you've just changed our lives just by addressing some sleep related issues. So that was like my first introduction, nearly about a decade ago. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, I mean, uh, once I completed my MBA uh, from IMT, then I thought that this is really a good opportunity to look at. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, they were... No sleep centers as such in India, hardly any sleep coaches, no, no formal sleep specialists, also. So mm-hmm. I saw a business opportunity here, but more importantly, I saw a massive pain point for a lot of people and an opportunity to help them out. So it's been a long journey. I've completed a few certification programs. I've run a company which manages sleep disorders for nearly eight years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, here I am.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Um quick question what are the common disorders people have with sleep because I know of just two possibly now uh, to give you a little bit of a background on this I have been interested in understanding all the things that look at health and sleep is a b- huge part of it uh, now of course there's a lot of information all over the internet someone says sleep's really important for uh weight loss, brain function, all those things. And there's a lot of misinformation as well that, you know, you can, uh, or I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's misinformation uh, as such, but uh, people kind of go with, if you take more power naps through the day, you don't need to take one long session of sleep. So I'm honestly really, really confused. You want to break this down to me a bit?
1: Yeah. So, I get that. I mean, there's a lot of information out there on the internet, some Mm -hmm. contradicts the other, but you know, the reason for that is I don't think humans have understood the complexity of sleep completely. Mm -hmm. You know, we are still in the process of learning, but uh, this science, this field of medicine has really evolved in the last three to five decades, you know, and it's all started from a point where, something called as polysomnography test schema. Polysomnography is basically where poly is multiple sleep graphs are grafts. So basically now there's a technology where you can document mm-hmm. the vital organs and the functioning of these vital organs when an individual is sleeping. Okay. So these tests have been there around for a few decades now and this is what has radically transformed sleep medicine because humans have now started to understand what really happens when we are sleeping and how it is impacting our body. Mm-hmm. And also all the disorders and how they are manifesting have also come up in the last few decades. Right. So uh, the technology has really helped us to understand this. But mm-hmm. yeah, to give you an overview about uh, how important sleep is, well, personally, I feel it's it does two, three things. Number mm-hmm. one, like, you know, during the day, we are absorbing so many things. Like there's a lot of noise, you know, mental clutter, which builds up. So it's like a reset button of Mm -hmm. sorts where, you know, you wake up in the morning and you literally start fresh. Like you you can just unwind. And also, I mean, it's really crucial for the body to repair and regenerate. So, I mean, there are numerous studies which correlates sleep with the process of aging, sleep with the process of rest, repair, immunity, and all that is true, mind you. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's just that, Depth of it and direct correlation of that is something which we are also learning that science is evolving. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, simply put, you know what? If nature has designed us to sleep for one third of our lives, like look at it this way you know, a young, a newborn baby sleeping for literally 20 hours in a day, and an adult sleeps for somewhere between six to eight hours. So, that's like one third of your lives you've slept sleeping. Yeah. And if that's an activity which you're doing, which is for a major chunk of your life, it better be important, right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, it does help you out, and uh, a whole lot of technology is now coming in, you know, with the wearables also there, it helps you track. So, oh, wearables. Only- yeah, perfect. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Which is, I mean, okay, I I do want to, because we've kind of jumped into variables, I do want to ask this because, uh, so I've been using this barely two weeks, right? Yeah. Now me, uh, as a person, and I'll jump into the other questions a little later, me as a person, I end up sleeping for roughly anywhere between four to five hours, and this is when my body just wakes up. I go back to sleep. That's a different matter altogether. Uh, just because I don't feel fully rested, but that pattern. And, and on some days, if I'm up within four hours, for four and a half hours, I'm I'm feeling really, really good. So this whole sleep score thing makes no sense to me. Right? You well, want to
1: make it a little easy for you. So yeah. typically, you know, adults are programmed to sleep. Uh, for one long duration Mm -hmm. and maybe for a little while for a shorter duration. And our response to sleep is determined by the nature's clock. So typically most human beings feel sleepy when the sun Mm -hmm. sets down Mm -hmm. and when the sun rises in the morning, you tend to wake up. So uh, there is a direct correlation because the the light from the sun and also the change in temperature is what produces hormones in our body, which helps us to sleep. Mm -hmm. And in the day hours, just to sort of refresh a bit, uh, in the afternoon, we tend to become a little lazy. So those are the two natural cycles in our body. Mm, When you talk about the number of hours of sleep, you know, most adults can have sleep varying from four to eight hours, sometimes Mm -hmm. even nine hours. So Mm -hmm. there is no hard and fast rule that, you know, you must sleep for six hours, must sleep for seven Mm -hmm. hours, nothing like that. So it's what works for you there are people who can function really well with just four hours of sleep and somebody who can be like literally very drowsy even after sleeping for nine hours. I'm so, so glad you put
0: that. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, in your case, interestingly, you mentioned that sometimes you feel like a little sluggish, you want to sleep a little bit more and sometimes you're out and about. So yeah. this is a point which is really crucial. You know, when you're looking at these fitness data and practice, what we want is consistency. So if right. it is like you know, five days of the week you're sleeping for four hours, and Saturday, Sunday, when you have the opportunity, you're sleeping for eight, nine hours, that just simply means that you are not sleeping enough on the weekdays, and then you're compensating for that on the weekends. Right. So, so that is not healthy. As long mm-hmm. as your sleep pattern is consistent and you're fresh, you're energetic, you can do your tasks even mm-hmm. if it for uh, even if it's four hours, mm-hmm. there's no problem.
0: Excellent, but uh, you mentioned an interesting thing, which is the uh, which is the circadian rhythm, which is your the yeah. the nature's clock, right? Um, I want to talk to you about that because in my experience, at least whatever I've been exploring so far, I feel that our circadian rhythm is a little out of whack right now. Uh, obviously, due to screens and everything as well. Uh, but then I've seen some people who. Um, do not prefer sleeping at night and sleep more during the day. Uh, Now, I don't know whether that's a function of work or that's a function of, you know, just general preference, lifestyle programming, because uh, and these are some of my friends who I've seen, say, way back in school and has continued till date, right? Yeah.
2: Um,
0: How do you explain something like that, though? Because, I mean, it, it, to my understanding, if you're going with the circadian rhythm, which is natural light, sunlight, you know, sun goes down, you, f- you feel lazy, you want to fall asleep, sun comes up, you want to wake up, which is the regular natural order of things. But then you've got yeah. these anomalies in people who want to sleep, who are far more active at night, who are far more uh, alert at night. Uh, night outs. Yeah, night outs. Uh, who are far more sluggish during the day. And yeah. that to me didn't make a lot of sense because, I mean, so, to me, it just went like, okay, something doesn't add up.
2: Yeah. So
1: there's some, something called is chronotypes, you know, right. like mm-hmm. uh, humans are divided into three or four chronotypes in broad buckets. And also each individual's productivity can vary across different number of hours, but that's a topic, which is. Slightly away from sleep, but mm-hmm. uh, long story short, I mean, there are some individuals who would function better a little later in the day, right? And you know, what they can do is they can adjust their body clock and they can, you know, limit the exposure of light in their lives mm-hmm. and tailor their circadian clock according to their own. I mean, think of it this way you know, people living in Iceland for that matter, you know, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's school, for 6 months and you know the sunlight's not there too much we are lucky to be in india you know i mean it's a tropical country and you know uh, the variation between light in summers and winters is not too much but if you are in the northern part of the earth or you know in the, in the extreme south it could really vary between summers and winters so oh yeah <laughs> And, 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 you know, it doesn't happen. I mean, it's, it's a known fact that in winters, people feel more sluggish. They want to sleep a little bit more. Why does that happen? Because simply put, there is not enough light in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So we do as human beings, we light is something which we do respond to. And, uh, given that we've come up with all sorts of artificial lights, we're surrounded about with artificial lights, television screens, mobile screens, all of those things we can actually now control the amount of light. We can control it at what period of time. So Mm -hmm. you gave an example about people who want to work or who are more active in the latter half of the day or maybe in the middle of the night, then they can actually adjust the exposure of light accordingly to Mm -hmm. maximize their productivity and also to increase their quality of sleep. So if they want to sleep in the day, go ahead. But you know, your room better be pitch dark. You... want to be controlling the temperature in a way that your melatonin is produced just before you want to hit in bed and uh, yeah, I mean you can do that Mm -hmm. so it's about what kind of lifestyle you want to lead in and how do you want to ensure that uh, your sleep is working alongside with that
0: Excellent segue, hallmarks of good quality sleep what are they? What are the factors that lead to quality sleep? Do you want to talk about those?
1: So first and foremost, you know, a lot of people struggle with this is time taken to fall asleep when you hit the bed. So this is a term which we call as sleep latency, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the moment you turn off the lights and you're ready to sleep, how much time does it take for you to have that first episode of sleep? So for some people, it could be 5 minutes, 10 minutes. For some people, it could be 20 minutes. For some people, it could be hours in bed before they can actually fall asleep.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So uh if it is anywhere between 10 to 20 minutes that's perfect if it's lesser than 10 minutes and you're just hitting the bed and knocking out straight that means you've had a really exhausting day or you're in extreme sleep debt and you know your body just wants to pass out if it's much longer than 20 minutes that means you know there are signs of insomnia there are signs that your body is not ready to sleep right now doesn't want you to sleep right now. So Mm -hmm. that is unhealthy. The second thing is fragmentation of sleep, which could be something which you can realize or what your wearables can also tell you. Uh, People get up at frequent intervals in night after an hour, two hours, three hours, and then they can't fall asleep. Or, uh, you know, your fitness tracker tells you that you had like 15 or 20 episodes of awakenings last night, which you briefly recall or you don't recall. Mm-hmm. But which simply means that your sleep is not continuous; it's been broken, it's fragmented. So mm-hmm. that it's, that is also not good quality sleep. And the third is not being able to sleep for adequate number of hours. So if let's say my body needs eight hours of sleep, so mm-hmm. I want to spend somewhere between eight and a half to nine hours in bed. But if I'm only able to get five hours or six hours of sleep, and you know I'm struggling during the daytime, that means my sleep quality is not. So only three parameters measure good quality sleep. Fall asleep within 10 to 20 minutes. Maintain continuous sleep without disturbances throughout the night and get the adequate number of hours. So you get all of these three, you should be energetic, you should be fresh. You should uh, have all the energy levels to, you know, pull through throughout the day and be active.
0: Right. So when you say adequate hours of sleep, you mean continuous hours or you mean through the day? Because there's a, why I ask you that is, and it does sound like a stupid question, but bear with me. One of the things that in my exploration that I read, and for me, that exploration was how do you increase productivity? Um, One of the things that I came across was a couple of people who would break the amount of sleep that they have into shorter naps through the day. Yeah. Yeah and not go for one solid round of sleep. Yeah. Now, according to them, and I have not seen any literature on this, according to them, that not only increased productivity, it increased their overall, whatever, health uh, metrics, it increased their alertness, so on and so forth. But conventional wisdom, at least to me, seems like that longer, that one long duration of continuous sleep within the adequate hours does make sense. Like there is value in that. So, can you help me kind of figure this like Let's
1: understand what sleep is now. Yeah. Or, let's say, what sleep architecture is. You know, right. when we document sleep, it's not a singular state that you are sleeping or abhi hmm. you know, When an individual goes into sleep, there are actually four different stages which a person passes through. Hmm. Firstly, sleep is divided into two which is NREM called non-REM and REM which is REM sleep. Right. REM stands or stands for rapid eye movement. So mm-hmm. uh, basically, there is a stage of sleep where your eyes are rapidly moving. There's a stage of sleep where your eyes are not rapidly not
0: moving. Rapidly moving. Yeah.
1: So NREM sleep is further categorized into N1, N2 and N3, of which N1 in layman terms is considered as transient sleep, wherein mm-hmm. you could be you in a state of uh, in between wakefulness and sleep. N2 sleep is called light sleep. I mean, you know, the slightest of sound can wake you up or, you know, just uh, uh, change in some temperature or uh, light or anything. The slightest disturbance can wake you up. That is into sleep. Mm. And then there's something called as N3 sleep, deep sleep, you know, which occurs wherein our complete body is rested and all our muscles are actually most relaxed during this sleep. And if we want to see any physical gains or rest or repair of our muscles n three deep sleep is extremely crucial. Mm. And the last is REM sleep, which is uh, most important for our memory or cognitive and behavior functions. This is also the stage where we are dreaming. So if we look at the sleep architecture, each cycle of sleep is for nearly about 120 minutes. And Mm. when an individual sleeps for seven to eight hours, we typically go through three to four cycles of sleep. Mm. And each cycle consists of these N1, N2, N3 and REM. So we will go through an N1, N2, N3 REM, N1, N2, N3 REM, N1, N2, N3 REM. These three, four cycles will happen throughout the night. So uh, frequent naps will not get you these cycles going, which will not get you adequate percentages of N1, N2, N3 and REM sleep. They Mm. will just sort of... Uh, you know, get those little bit of superficial sleep or uh, maybe a few minutes of deep sleep, which can recharge you. Mm -hmm. So naps can be crucial if, you know, if you're having a long day, tough day, or you've not slept well the previous night, or Mm -hmm. if you are a routine napper, napping is something which really pushes your productivity. So a 20-minute power nap can recharge you and get you going but uh, there is no replacement for seven to eight hours of continuous sleep because that is when you go through all of these cycles properly and you get complete mind and body rest so uh, that is not what i would recommend so hmm. there is no sort of uh, you
0: know uh, no science behind that <laughs> you can say <laughs> it. you can say that <laughs> um all right before i move on to the next one um I do want to ask, because I'm kind of jumping back to one of the things you said, which is the three factors that contribute to quality sleep. How much of a role does the environment have to play into that? What I mean by that is because um, I think about yesterday itself, I was trying I was going through a couple of uh, research bits about uh, the factors like factors like your pillow, your mattress, the temperature that you have. What you've eaten and when you've eaten, how yeah. much of that affects the quality of your sleep?
1: So, uh, you know, if you have a sleep disorder, mm-hmm. let's say somebody has been diagnosed with insomnia, chronic insomnia, mm-hmm. and I tell him that, boss, it's the problem is in your pillows, you know, the problem is in your bed sheet. Right. Or, you know, you're eating the wrong stuff and that is why you. Cannot sleep, hmm. and it's a it's a load of crap. Okay, you know so mm-hmm. uh, these factors which you just mentioned, like lighting, pillows, the fragrance, aroma, the kind of foods you eat, this can take you from an eighty percent to a one hundred percent. But so they aren't particularly causing a sleep disorder. They aren't hmm. particularly causing a disease. But yes, in terms of your quality of sleep, they have mm. a huge role.
2: Right. So, um,
1: for example, it's a known fact that if you are using breathable fabrics or mm. uh, you know your bed linen is made of natural fibers like cotton or silk, then you know your sleep quality is a lot better. I mm-hmm. mean, there are researches on the same. It's a known fact that essential oils like lavender have shown to reduce anxiety, have shown to calm down your mind and help you sleep better.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: a known fact that uh, if you are eating foods which are rich in magnesium, maybe uh, some nuts like almonds, uh, cashews, or even bananas, uh, some fruits, so they help in you know relaxing your muscles and helping you sleep better. Uh, it's also a known fact that warm shower about 80 to 90 minutes before bedtime really helps to bring down the core temperature of your body and helps you to put it, get into sleep better. So these are a few things, a few tips are there which can really work on or really improve your quality of sleep, but only from like a 70% or an 80% to a 100%. So if you want to, uh, you know, our is like a machine. Like if I, if I have fitness goals and it's completely relevant for a person like you, you know, who's into martial arts and who wants to, Uh, you know, probably train people well Mm -hmm. and obviously excel in their field. Like, you need to be at your A game and, you know, crack all those bones which you want to (laughs) the next day, then you need those, you need like proper quality of sleep. Mm -hmm. So, uh, these factors would come in really important there, but uh, not from a point of view of causing a disease or an illness.
0: Right. I want to know about the common disorders that you faced. So insomnia is one. um, Sleep apnea is the other one that I know of, which is quite interesting because I've seen some, like I know two people who do have it, uh, but I've never figured out how it happens and some of the characteristics that are there. Uh, Can you take me through some of the common disorders and especially these two?
1: So, uh, we've already talked about insomnia. So, inability to fall asleep, Mm -hmm. inability to maintain sleep, or inability to have the adequate number of hours of sleep. Right. All three constitute insomnia. Okay. And in order to be diagnosed, it's not like if you have two or three nights of such episodes, that's not insomnia. That's just probably going through a bad phase or, you know, having some... Trouble mm-hmm. in your mouth, but if this is happening continuously for weeks and weeks, maybe three months or longer, mm-hmm. then yes, it could be indicative of insomnia. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is very common, in fact, insomnia is something which a lot of people go through at separate intervals of their lives. Sometimes they overcome uh, insomnia on their own as well, sometimes they need, need the help of medication, therapists, mm-hmm. whatnot. Uh, The reason for insomnia could be as simple as physical pain like if somebody has just gone through a surgery there is so much pain that you're not able to sleep Mm -hmm. that could cause insomnia it could be mental pain as well you've gone through a personal distress or a very stressful period in your life which you're not able to deal with or cope up with Mm -hmm. that could be the reason for insomnia. Or it could be another mental disorder also, which you're probably undergoing or you have, and which could be leading to insomnia. So there are several reasons to that. It's important for us to determine the root cause and then address the root cause. And that helps in uh, aiding the treatment of insomnia. Sleep apnea is like a whole topic in itself. Interestingly, I have access to a model which should help you understand this a little better. Mm. So, this is the cross section of our face, you know, right. this is the nose, this is the mouth, mm-hmm. the white portions, the tongue. And uh, we sleep like this, you know, yeah. uh, when we are sleeping, uh, the muscles of our upper airway also relax and sleep like every other muscle groups. Mm-hmm. So the lower jaw, which is movable, it falls backwards. The tongue also falls backwards. And the potential airspace in the upper airway becomes narrow during sleep. It happens right. for every individual. Right. Eye, every individual. But there are certain people, you know, a small percentage of the population is born with a slightly narrower air passage. So this right. upper airway is slightly narrower and some of them may also tend to weigh, gain a little amount of weight. So I'm not saying sleep apnea is only there in people who are heavy built. Mm. But in most cases, if you are also on the heavier side in this tissue may become a little more more narrow. Mm. Or as you age above the age of 30 or 35, your muscles are becoming a little limp, which is causing further narrowing of this passage. So now when you sleep at night and the muscles relax and the jaw falls and the tongue collapses, this air passage is becoming extremely narrow. Yeah. And the first sign your body is giving you that this air passage is narrow is that air passing through this will cause fluttering of this air passage. Right. This is going to flush, which is what we call as snoring. So snoring is something you know we uh, think think karate okay, he's you know having the best sleep, but it's actually quite the opposite. the oh, person man. who's snoring is having compromised breathing at night. So
2: right.
1: the airflow is reduced, and after a few years you continue to make fun of the person who's snoring. Few years later comes a situation where this passage gets completely shut. So when this passage gets shut for a period of 10 seconds or longer, we call that episode an apnea.
2: Okay. Apnea
1: is cessation of breathing. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, there is no oxygen which goes to the lungs. And the brain, which is in a state of sleep, realizes that the oxygen shut down, it sends a signal to the muscle groups, puts in a larger effort, and opens the air passage. Mm. And instantly the airflow resumes, the oxygen level resumes. If that wouldn't happen, we'd pass out and be yeah. in heaven. So uh, the brain sort of uh, helps us do that. We get the passage uh, opens up again after a few minutes or mm-hmm. after a few seconds in some cases. The passage relaxes again, the passage shuts again. Airflow, uh, you know, shuts down. Oxygen levels go down. Brain gets alert again, and the whole process repeats. So this is a cyclical process and repeated individuals at night, you know, our air passes is getting shut, oxygen levels are going down, brain is getting alert. So uh, this is something which the person sleeping will not realize. The family member will notice there are pauses in breathing. They will notice that uh, there is frequent snoring, but intervals where there is no sound. Mm-hmm. But what most importantly, what is happening is that the body goes through severe oxidative stress at night and the brain never gets an opportunity to get into the deeper stages of sleep like N3 and REM, which we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So you stay in superficial sleep and despite sleeping for six to eight hours or despite being in bed for long hours, you wake up tired, sluggish, lethargic. If you are you know, uh, given an opportunity during the daytime, you would fall asleep straight. If you're in a meeting which you aren't active in, you would be dozing off. If you're traveling at the back in the passenger seat and you'll doze off. In severe cases, we've known that it causes road accidents. Um, you know, in certain cases, even uh, nowadays, even commercial airline pilots and um, uh, you know, airline pilots have now been asked to undergo sleep study tests. To see whether they do not have sleep apnea as it can reduce the uh, alertness levels and mm-hmm. reaction levels for them also so this is what sleep apnea is all about and it's it's a very severe sort of illness which is directly now correlated with a lot of disorders like diabetes and hypertension and other diseases as well mm-hmm. and uh, luckily there, there are treatment options available so uh, this is one of the main disorders which we do treat, and mm-hmm. uh, it's you're one of the few younger people who are educated enough or aware enough about the problem. But the problem is that most people think that snoring is something which needs to be made fun of, and you know it's not serious at all.
0: Uh, yeah. How would you go about treating that though? Um... I know about the machines that people use, uh, yeah. but is there, like, apart from that, is there, like, a, apart from using the machine throughout, I don't know, an extended period of time, however long that means, there may be, is there a way to reverse sleep apnea or is that just biological? It
2: depends. Uh,
1: what most commonly people undergo a sleep study test or a polysomnogram, which I mentioned in the conversation earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, that helps us to diagnose and understand the severity of sleep apnea, grade the severity of sleep apnea. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Also, if the weight of an individual is the reason for sleep apnea, which means that when the BMI was about 25 or 26, the person had no episode of snoring, but now that the BMI is higher, uh, you know, snoring and sleep apnea both have become Mm -hmm. emergent. Then the person is advised weight loss Uh, alongside with CPAP therapy, which is the machine you were mentioning. Mm -hmm. And that reverses sleep apnea. In some cases, it may not be reversible. Uh, There are surgical options available as well. A lot of ENT surgeons are uh, doing different types of surgeries, mandibular jaw advancement surgeries, Mm -hmm. uh, some coagulation surgeries where they're removing some parts of the upper pharynx to remove the obstruction sites as well. So, uh, there are some of the options available. There are some mouth guards and dental appliances as well, which keep your jaw forward and don't uh, help the muscles to relax at night. There are different options available. So, that is something, obviously, each individual can go through the entire process if and when they are diagnosed.
0: Excellent. All right. So, I'm going to go to my second last question. Considering this is about to be launched on World Sleep Day, uh, yeah. I know you've mentioned that there are three factors which, which we need to keep in mind for improving the quality of sleep. Now, this has been done to death, but I want to hear it from a sleep coach. How can someone make sure that they get consistent, quality sleep, lifestyle changes? Like, maybe give us an example of a day one needs to go through to ensure that they hit those three markers every single night.
1: So... You know, like I have one major mantra, mm. which I really advocate to people. It's, it's one of the simplest things you can do, but often the most ignored one. Mm. Like uh, most of my friends, what they do is that after they get back home from work, or nowadays when people are even working from their homes, they get into their bedroom or their sleeping room right after dinner. Right. And they stay in bed or out and about for maybe an hour or two hours. And then at one fine time they look at the clock and they say, ab now ka time okay? Let's sleep. Right. So, simply by saying that your yeah. body doesn't say it's time to sleep. <sighs> you need to set yourself a routine right. which tells your body when it is time to sleep and when is it Time to wake up. Mm. So, there are three or four crucial things which one can do. Number one, I think the your bond or your relationship with your sleep environment should be really strong.
2: Mm. Which
1: means the moment I am entering my bed and you know I'm tucking myself in the sheets, my brain starts to think that you are not to sleep. So, that can only happen. If you keep your phones, your laptops, your television, all sorts of distractions away from that environment. Mm -hmm. So you can do, you know, I'm not against watching Netflix late at night. I'm not against texting with your girlfriends or your better halves on WhatsApp. I'm not against any of those things because, you know, that doesn't mean uh, good sleep doesn't have to come at the cost of all things which make us happy yeah but what i'm saying is keep that in a separate zone in your house mm-hmm. and the zone where you're sleeping in should be only reserved for sleeping so when you do that so typically what i personally do is i have a living room where i spend most of my time in and mm-hmm. i watch my shows there i spend time with my family my dogs but once i'm ready to sleep then i step into the bedroom And I spray some aromas there, which help me relax and calm down. Uh, And I tuck myself into the sheets. The lights are either completely dim or switched off. Uh So my mind instantly knows that this is the time the person wants to sleep. There are some days, you know, when I am going through some personal troubles as well, where I may not fall asleep instantly. Uh But on such days, I would never stay in bed hoping for sleep to come to me. If that happens to me, I would step out. I would sort my thoughts out. I would just completely calm myself down again and then come back to my bedroom again. Mm. So the bond which I was talking about is built only if you are sleeping in your sleep environment. If Mm. you are thinking about your troubles, thinking about your day, chatting to your bed partner, watching TV, then that bond never gets built. Mm -hmm. The second thing is when you wake up in the morning, get the sunlight in, you know, we are lucky to have good amount of sunlight in India. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I do when I wake up is, you know, I open all the curtains in the house. If I get an opportunity, I step out in the balcony, but I really start to get a lot of sun in early in the morning, first Mm -hmm. hour, hour and a half. You know, people tend to keep the, uh, you know, the curtains drawn, keep the lights very dim. They want to have a slow and sluggish start, slowly, slowly start moving their bodies, get a cup of tea in bed, get a cup of coffee, Coffee. then step out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't actually need that. And that's a separate topic I'll come up with that, you know, coffee in the morning does you absolute no good. So,
0: um, yeah, uh, I I know what you mean.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, all you need is get that sunlight in and once you do that, your body realizes, boss, this person wants to be active now. And uh, stretch yourself, hydrate yourself and you're good to go. So, just do these two things, right? Get good sunlight early in the morning for an hour, hour and a half and build a very strong relation or a bond with your sleeping environment and I think your quality of sleep is going to soar up. Excellent. All right, after
0: my, my last question, where can these yeah. people reach out to you?
1: <laughs> where can we reach out to you? Yeah. So, uh, we operate a clinic in Vasant Kunj, which is okay. uh, under the name of Morpheus uh, Sleep Clinic. Mm-hmm. Morpheus is the god of dreams. So, we want right. to help people sleep better and have good quality dreams. Uh mm-hmm. But I'm available on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, my handle is Aprame Rajput. And uh, you can pin me or DM me anytime if you have any queries. I do share a lot of tips on social media as well. And uh, if it's a personal query or any family member who needs help, then uh, I can leave my email address with you and you can share it alongside on the post as well so people can write like to me.
0: That would be helpful. Awesome. Thank you, Aparamaya. This was very, very, very educational.
1: I, I hope it wasn't the very heavy. I mean, this is a topic I'm so, you know, it's so close to my heart. <laughs> so
0: about it. Not so, at all, actually. This, this in fact, uh, really helps. It's very practical, very to the point, very straightforward. There's not a lot of fluff uh, going on. So thank you for that. Um, all right. Yeah.
1: Thank you for being such a wonderful host as well on Sunday morning. <laughs> Thank you. So I hope you have a good day and get some good night's rest tonight. And oh you know, yeah. I'm I'm gonna do all here. of
0: that and get back to you.
2: <laughs> yeah. You should, you should. Yeah. All right. Have a all right, day.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.